Hello, and welcome to the On-Call Consults in Less Than 10 Minutes series on ENT in a Nutshell, a complement to Headmere's online survival guide. I'm your host, Will Dattar, and today we are joined by Dr. Matt Carlson, a board-certified neurotologist. In this episode, we will cover temporal bone trauma. Let's jump right in. The temporal bone houses important structures, including the otic capsule, facial nerve, ossicles, and carotid canal. Ruling out injuries to these structures is the primary immediate goal for patients with temporal bone fractures. Significant force is necessary to fracture the temporal bone, and additional injuries, including maxillofacial, skull base, or cranial injuries, are commonly found. Dr. Carlson, can you tell us about the uh, differential diagnosis for these? Yeah, creating a differential diagnosis list for this episode doesn't apply great just because typically we're consulted for the chief complaint of temporal bone trauma. But in this setting, it's perhaps useful to de- develop a list of potentially associated sequela. So in this setting, you're going to evaluate for facial nerve injury, carotid or jugular injury, CSF leak, acicular disruption, tympanic membrane rupture, otic capsule fracture, labyrinthine concussion with hearing loss, traumatic BPV, and other concomitant maxillofacial, cranial, or spine fractures. And what history should we focus on when seeing these patients? So very important is the mechanism and timing of injury. Is this blunt trauma, penetrating trauma, or ballistic injury? You want to ask about loss of consciousness, hearing loss, vertigo, otorrhea, diplopia, or other symptoms of cranial nerve injury, including facial nerve paralysis. With regard to facial nerve paralysis, some of the most, two of the most common or most important aspects are the timing of it and the severity of it. So it's, if it's possible to elicit the history um, it's very beneficial to know if the patient has facial paralysis when you evaluate them, whether it had immediate onset after the, after the event, or if this was something that developed several days following, so following the event. Uh, then you'll want to look for a history suggestive of syncope or seizure, because this might require an additional workup beyond just the issue of temporal bone trauma, and then a, a detailed otologic history standard. And what key supplies do you recommend we bring when seeing these consults? Otoscope, a 512 hertz tuning fork to assess hearing loss, a cerumen curette, a suction trap if fluid collection for CSF analysis is anticipated, an ear wick if there's significant narrowing from trauma. If cleaning debris from the ear canal, you'll need an operating microscope or at least loops, several speculums, suctions, and a suction source. And can you tell us about the physical examination on these patients? Yeah, so for this episode, we'll assume that the primary and secondary trauma survey have already been performed. You'll want to perform a detailed facial nerve examination if possible. However, oftentimes the patient is sedated or might have altered mental status just from their event or their trauma. So in this setting, consider asking the ICU to hold sedation or the paralytic or any potential paralytic to enable a more accurate exam, if clinically appropriate. In a sedated patient or one with altered mental status, a detailed facial nerve exam may be challenging. In this setting, the main goal is to determine if the nerve is grossly intact, partially paralyzed, or fully paralyzed. You'll also want to perform a detailed cranial nerve examination and neurological exam. You can evaluate for Horner syndrome, which may indicate a petrous carotid injury. You'll evaluate for spontaneous nystagmus, which may indicate stapes, subluxation, or otocapsule fracture. You'll perform a 512 hertz tuning fork examination. With a conductive hearing loss from temporal bone fracture, uh, you'll expect uh, the Weber to lateralize to the affected ear and bone to be greater than air conduction in most cases. In contrast, if you're suspecting pure, primarily a sensor neural hearing loss, the Weber will lateralize to the contralateral ear 
and typically air will be greater than bone conduction. It's often less clean than that. It's often a mixed hearing loss if you have a sensory neural component. With regard to otoscopic examination, there's frequently cerumen and bloody debris that has to be removed first from the external auditory canal in order to see the TM. Oftentimes, ear canal lacerations and hematympanum are present. You want to look for copious clear otorrhea. Although evaluation for CSF otorrhea is challenging in the acute setting with mixed blood, it's still prudent to do so. You'll often uh, hear the uh, clinical presentation of a ring sign uh, presented. Uh, in reality, a ring sign is not sensitive or specific for a CSF leak. And what diagnostic workup do you order in the acute setting? So ideally, if you're consulted for temporal bone trauma, it's best to get a high-resolution temporal bone CT scan, and even better is a high-resolution CT scan with thin cuts and dedicated planes of the entire skull base. You can uh, settle for a head CT with reformats, although it's less ideal. You want to perform a systematic review of structures, including the otocapsule, the internal auditory canal, facial nerve path, ossicles, external auditory canal, middle and posterior fossa bony plates, TMJ, and vascular structures. If you identified a questionable fracture, you might compare it to the contralateral unaffected side just to make sure you're not just seeing a natural suture line. Focal mastoid opacification may direct your eye to a, a smaller or occult fracture line. Newborn labyrinth may indicate an otocapsule fracture or a dislocated stapes footplate. And even scant pneumocephalus should raise concern for a possible CSF leak. These are sort of these indirect signs that should draw your eye or draw your attention to certain parts of the scan. There are several classification schemes for temporal bone trauma. However, pragmatically, it's best to simply describe whether the otocapsule is involved or fractured and whether other important structures are involved. Always consider reviewing your films with an on-call neuroradiologist if they're available. Electrodiagnostic testing of the facial nerve may be considered if complete facial paralysis is present on exam, but this is generally not ordered until at least three days after paralysis onset. It is generally only performed uh, based on the preferences of the presiding uh, staff surgeon. It's often a nuanced decision. Uh, collect and send any fluid for beta-2 transferrin if a CSF leak is suspected. And consider placing it on ice to preserve the sample if there's any significant delay anticipated between collection and testing. Although uncommon, angiography may be required in cases of a suspected significant vascular injury. And can you tell us about the acute treatment for these patients? Yeah, so general measures, most patients or very commonly patients will have involvement of their ear canal, debris in their ear canal, and potential bony fracture and uh, skin laceration. So cleaning the ear canal of debris, possible placement of an ear wick if it's very narrow, neurotopical medications is commonly uh, employed for most patients. If facial nerve paralysis is present, you want to institute aggressive eye cares with artificial tears, lubricating eye ointments, and precautions to avoid in inadvertent corneal injury. High-dose systemic steroid therapy is generally um, prescribed and less contraindicated alongside a proton pump inhibitor for GI prophylaxis. We generally don't consider surgery for a partial paralysis or a delayed paralysis as both of these portend a good prognosis. Surgery is generally indicated for cases of complete paralysis where bony impingement of the fallopian canal is seen or in cases where significant neurodegeneration seen on EDOG or uh, evoked DMG is seen. The decision to perform surgical decompression is very nuanced and will be reviewed with your attending physician. It's beyond the scope of discussion in this podcast. 
With regard to hearing loss, if sensorineural hearing loss is suspected, an audiogram should be obtained soon if feasible to confirm the diagnosis, and if present, high-dose steroids should be instituted. For conductive hearing loss, generally an audiogram is obtained two to three months following the event to allow middle ear effusion to resolve. CSF leaks are generally managed initially conservatively with bed rest, limiting strenuous activities in stool softeners. Less commonly, a lumbar drain or use of diamox or acetazolamide may be considered under joint decision-making with the neurosurgical service. Most cases of traumatic temporal bone CSF leaks self-resolve within a week and do not require further treatment. Use of prophylactic antibiotics for active CSF leak is controversial, but most centers will consider use, but you should consult with your attending physician. Other referrals, including neurosurgery consultation, is prudent if there's associated intracranial injuries or CSF leak, and uh, referral to neurology may be indicated if electrodiagnostic testing is being pursued. And can you tell us about the disposition and follow-up for these patients? Yeah, so most patients with temporal bone trauma have sustained a significant injury and are admitted for care of their associated injuries. Isolated temporal bone fractures can be managed as an outpatient using the guidelines provided above. Uncomplicated cases may follow up in clinic for ear canal cleaning as needed in an audiogram two to three months following injury. Facial nerve paralysis and sensory hearing loss may require closer follow-up depending on the severity and patient-specific needs. So this concludes our temporal bone trauma episode for on-call consults in less than 10 minutes. As always, we appreciate you joining us and thank you, Dr. Carlson.